live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Rick Amorati's got sports tonight. Geo Fran holding it down. Rick, three names. Delgado's got a what even is that coming up at the top of the second hour. Are you all set with your coffee over there? Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, Paul Nolan, how are you? Better than you, man. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's just the Delgado. It's just he's, he's nuts. He's nuts. That's why, that's, that's why I'm here. You, you wouldn't install the metal detector. Yeah. I don't trust the guy. I think he's going to go off the deep end one day. And so I mean, I'm promoting uh, doing it. He's over here. I'm going to do that. He's over here looking. He's over here prepping for the show, and I swear he looks like he's he's like Einstein or something. He's going through the papers and throwing them up in the air, and he's his eyes no, are like I'm, focused on one thing while he's like scrambling. Is that why he asked me for red yarn and thumbtacks earlier? Yeah, yeah. he's Dude, like you know these serial I, killers. I, they all have three I, names. I can't <laughs> afford three names. I'm Puerto Rican. No, you're you're you're, you're <laughs> only got two. You, you are now Rick Three Name Delgado. That's your new. That's your nickname because <laughs> you're nickname. nuts. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, live from Studio Six B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. We do have what even is that coming up? What is your what even is that all about? I'm not going to tell you now. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, maybe we don't have it coming up then. We'll see what happens at nine o'clock. <laughs> Slick Rick's definitely going to have sports though. I like him. What's coming up in sports, Slick Rick? Well, big Monday night win. Slick Rick pockets five oh, yeah, okay. K, baby. Yeah, he's in a oh, great mood look now. Look at that. I got the helmet on and all the 1976 oh, version. And we're going to talk a little bit about a great NASCAR legend who retired oh. yesterday and. And uh, Hurricane Ian is definitely impacting Florida and it's also movement of some games as well. Big games, actually. So we'll get into that. Well, we're going we're gonna to start there um, to all of our friends in Florida. I hope everybody is heeding the warnings or whatever the local mm. officials have been telling, telling you uh, to stay safe. I know a lot of Floridians say, hey, this is what we do, right? This is what we do. But this is part of, uh, part of living in the freest state in the world is dealing with this every, um, you know, Every year, at some point, having to deal with this, and I know a lot of them think that they can just ride it out, but let's just try to be safe here because this one looks like it's going to be, this one looks like it's going to be serious. So, hope everybody is heeding the warnings. And um, just to start there, Dan McLaughlin has a piece today because this is really, you know, this is again, it goes to why you hate the media, and why you can't stand the double standard that is our politics today. And Dan McLaughlin today says, just picture, I want you to picture the media reaction if a Republican president named Trump or any other Republican president refused to talk to a Democratic governor who was facing a major hurricane. Well, actually, you don't have to imagine it, he says. When Donald Trump was president, he called Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Rossello about Hurricane Maria in 2017 and then visited the island in October. But two years later, Rossello blasted Trump for not visiting the island to discuss its recovery. NBC News blared, quote, Trump refuses meeting over hurricane relief, Puerto Rico governor says. <laughs> Rossello said the White House declined his request to meet with the president directly without giving a reason. Vanity Fair was even harsher than that. Trump blames Puerto Rico for inconveniencing him, they wrote, with another potential hurricane. Now, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a real headline. Now with Florida, headline. Yep. Now with oh, Florida God. under threat from Hurricane Ian, the director of FEMA has spoken with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, but confirms that Joe Biden has not. Even though Biden has spoken to two Democratic mayors, as well as Governor DeSantis's challenger, Charlie Crist. 
Biden was planning to do an event of his own this week to help Chris campaign in Florida. As Business Insider notes, the silence is unusual. Quote, presidents and governors typically hold phone calls at a time of natural disaster so presidents can offer federal support and bipartisanship. And Biden last year was willing to meet with DeSantis following the Surfside building collapse. We all remember that. So this makes Biden look somewhat petty and small. Then again, perhaps this is really just an implicit concession that Biden isn't up to the call or isn't capable of being of any assistance, which I think the both of them might be accurate. Um, Governor DeSantis was asked about this today. Not specifically, I guess, but he commented on it, and here's what he said. Governor, how would you characterize your conversations with President Biden as Ian approaches? Uh, so I have not personally spoken with the president, but the FEMA has approved our pre-landfall request. Uh, we've had Gracia here uh, really from since the weekend. Uh, Gracia's been here. She's always around here. And so so we feel like we have a good relationship uh, with FEMA. Um, you know, I'm happy to, to, to brief the president if he's interested um, in hearing what we're doing in Florida. You know, my view on all this is like, you know, you got people's lives at stake. You got their property at stake. Uh, and we don't have time for pettiness. We got to work together to make sure we're doing the best job for them. So, so my, my, phone, my phone line is open, and we're happy. But we, are, we do appreciate the quick approval of the pre-landfall declaration. So that's the uh, governor of Florida today, at least as of uh, 6 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, FEMA director was in, I believe, the press briefing room. Cut to G. Roll that. You've spoken to the governor of the state. Why hasn't the president yet? Or is there a scheduled call for the two men to speak, obviously, as they're the preeminent leaders of the country and of that state? As far as the conversation, the president directed me to contact um, the uh, governor early on before we even did the de- declaration. I did that. My regional administrator is with the governor right now, making sure that we're understanding what the needs are and our focus is on the current life safety needs that need to be met. In, in the past, President Trump, um, President Biden excuse me, has made calls to governors in situations of natural disasters, uh, KIV in Alabama or Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas um, or uh, the governor in Texas. Is is there any, can you articulate, I guess, uh, how those determinations are made and why why it hasn't been made in this case to, to have the president call the governor? Yeah, the the president is very focused on making sure that the federal family has the right resources available to support this. Um, That is why I contacted the governor right away, and we have a team of my senior leadership that are embedded with the governor to make sure that we're supporting that. Our focus today is making sure that we have the right measures in place to support the life-saving activities that need to happen. Any conversations afterwards will need to be, uh, we need to see what the the damages are. But he's made conversations with the mayors, so is there any reason why not the governor? Again, we have a strong team that's in place supporting the governor right now, working side by side with him and his staff. We'll continue to stay engaged with him. Just a a follow-up to that. Normally, presidents call governors or the governors call presidents. (laughs) Try for the the third time. Really, during hurricanes. The only real question I I really want answered is: Is it in any way the fact that they haven't talked? Is there any way that it's impeded efforts for the federal government or FEMA to implement? plans in Florida? And if so, what would they be? Now, this is that we are very focused on what the needs of Florida is right now. Uh, 
we do not bring politics into our ability to respond to these disasters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to support whatever sure. Governor DeSantis asks of us. Uh, we signed his emergency declaration within hours of him right, sending Jay. it in. We'll continue so, to do that as we. Uh, so I just think that's called that's called being thrown under the bus. That woman, whoever she is, I'm, she seems very nice. But she's being thrown under the bus because the real answer is we've never seen this. There's no reason other than pol- other than politics. This is all politics. There is no reason that he should not be on the phone with the governor. We don't need to know about that. Just there's no reason for him not to be on the phone. Right, Paul? It's bordering on an SNL skit. Like, I would just love to see a bunch of like SNL actors in there. Is it fair to say that Biden absolutely detests uh, the governor of Florida and the policies that undermine his globalist agenda. And that's why he's hanging him out to dry. You know, I'm just waiting for like the, they just, just come out and say it, just say what you mean. They're always dancing on the edge of the playground. Not a, just, we all know what it is. And, it, and, and it's just beyond laughable. Yeah. I think the, your last part there is the part that I, uh, I, I latch on to the most. We all know what, who's watching this thinking, oh, there must be a good reason Biden hasn't spoken to him. Maybe he's just really busy worrying about uh, Nord Stream 2. No, no. There's no reason why he wouldn't have talked to the governor. Right? Maybe he tried yeah. to call him collect. That could be it. You know what? Maybe his, uh, his phone that they give him to use, they don't actually plug it in. Because they don't yeah. know what the hell he's going to say. Well, even in that clip, the FEMA administrator said that Biden came to her and told her to call the governor. So he could have just yeah. went to him direct. Yeah, could you call my ex-girlfriend for me? I, I can't talk to her. Just tell her I want my records back. Like, it's, and my it's so childish. Uh, Charlie, yeah. oh, well, here you go. Look at this. Just as, we're, just as we're saying this, Charlie Spearing at 7.51, nine minutes ago. Biden ultimately caves after his apparent reluctance to personally phone DeSantis ahead of Hurricane Ian. President Biden, this is from Karin Jimpiara. President Biden spoke this evening with Governor DeSantis of Florida to discuss the steps the federal government is taking to help Florida prepare for Hurricane Ian. The president and the governor committed to continued close coordination. 747 tonight. So that's basically, as Charlie says, that, that's just too much, too many questions. Yeah. Too much press, too much social media. There is no excuse. The FEMA woman out there is basically being kneecapped, thrown under the bus to try to defend this behavior, which is undefendable. And so there you go. Yeah. And if you remember, uh, not only did we hear from Democratic New York Governor Cuomo, but also Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom, they praised Donald Trump when... It came time for anything, anything that had to do with a, uh, especially in California with the uh, natural disasters. Newsom was quick to praise President Trump, making sure that they had everything that they needed. And also during COVID, you know, he specifically said that there are no criticism for President Trump. This is coming from Newsom over the coronavirus response, even as California waits on more supplies. So, so even even with the most polarizing Democrats that are governors, and you could say probably the most polarizing Republican president, they still put that stuff aside when it came down to, hey, we got to get this stuff done because uh, enough with the crap. So, yeah, but um, this administration and this party is. It's all politics all the time. Even when, as the governor rightly said, lives are at stake. That's, that's not enough. That, unfortunately, is not enough. They caved only tonight to put basically 
social and political pressure because they knew tomorrow, and they also knew however bad this thing is or isn't, well, let's hope it's not as bad as they're predicting, it's not a defendable position to not have called the governor of Florida as one of the mo- biggest hurricanes we've re- in recent memory is going to hit the yeah. Tampa. Yeah, what, Tampa hasn't been hit directly like this in how long? You know, you think this, you know, this is a, you know, people at sea level, it's usually the East Coast that's getting pummeled, right? Isn't this going to be the first direct hit there in I a long time? I believe they said since the 30s. Yeah, wow. right? The 20s or 30s. Wow. Yeah. Do you think, you think that uh, with, with all the evacuations, you think that he would be able to put politics aside for a second? Yeah, But a he second. don't care. He don't make the decisions. He's, he's the puppet. He's the sock puppet, as we all say. And he gets told what to do by his masters, his handlers, his Obamas, and, and all the globalists. And they tell him what to say. Yeah, this is your pitch, Billy Mays. Sell them a sham wow. This is what you're going to do. And they don't care how bad he looks at this point because they're throwing him under the bus anyhow. I mean, they don't care at this point. And as we always say, who runs cover? The media run covers. They'll, they'll, they'll whiz on your leg and tell you it's raining. It's the same, it just doesn't end. Of course, the other thing that happens every time we get these, and we'll, when we get back, we'll discuss this, is the Democrats never let one of these go by without being able to push for, of course, their climate change agenda. Amy Klobuchar, she had an interesting take today. We'll get to that. Plus sports and news live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Tuesday, 17 past the hour. Uh, see the getter chats all fired up tonight. Seemingly that uh, here Rumble might be having problems. They say Rumble's down. It looks like they're having some uh, network issues. We just checked it ourselves. It does seem to be down. Although the app came up for me on my phone pretty quickly. and then, um, But the login didn't work. And then I went to it on desktop and it's can't even get to it. It's totally down. So it does seem like Rumble is either... Uh, Maybe well, Rumble deep. purveys a great deal of truth out there that hurts the establishment. So probably nothing to see here as well. I was going to say, they're probably under DDoS attack, or, or could, maybe it could just be um, in-house issues. We'll wait and see what the next couple hours bring, if it comes back up. Um, good to see people in the chat, though. I see um, Horse Lady 1977 uh, Brenda Freeland in there. I see... Um, I don't know what the talk is about my tan. I have no tan. <laughs> I look like Casper the Ghost. What the hell are y'all talking about? Hey, you look a little tan today. I don't look tan. Listen, three names. I don't look tan. A little bit. So, all right, let's do some sports. <laughs> and here with someone who's always looking good is that Slick Rick right. Sports. Rick Emirati, what's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, sticking with uh, Hurricane Ian. Uh, Hurricane Ian could disrupt pivotal Mets Brave series. Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. Mets been- Brave series in Florida? Yeah, Mets Braves. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mets and Braves. Yeah, because of Atlanta with Georgia coming through, the the weather's going to get bad. So you know that, that rain is going to continue. Once it hits oh. Florida, it's coming right up in through the. I think even they were saying New York is preparing itself up here to get hit with some really heavy rain towards the weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, this is going to have an impact that far-reaching. Big day. I mean, Georgia is just above uh, Florida, as we know. Uh, but it's been thought for at least a month, if not longer, Still? that the upcoming series between the New York Mets and Atlanta Braves held at Atlanta 
is truest park from Friday through Sunday could ultimately determine which of the two teams wins the National League East title. The first place Mets began Monday holding a slim one and a half game lead over the second place Braves in the division race. But something other than the standings and bigger than baseball is both literally and figuratively hovering over the three game tilt. As mentioned by Newsy's Tim Healy and Ryan Finkelstein of just baseball, <laughs> what has become Hurricane Ian is on track to impact the Atlanta region on at least Friday. Healy said MLB officials are monitoring this situation at the start of the midweek, and he added the league could ultimately relocate the series if safety becomes a concern before Friday's matchup. And uh, right now at the last check in that race, and that's the only race really up for grabs, is the National League East. The Mets right now are up to one game, but they are trailing the Marlins tonight. Uh, 4 nothing in the top of the fourth, and the Braves and Nationals are tied at two in D.C. That's in the bottom of the fourth. And another game that could be impacted as well. Slick Rick, uh, I just want you to know Ed Henry said that someone needs to get LFS6B a map. Yeah, tell Ed Henry I explained exactly what's going to happen with you. I'm going to go bomb his show one morning. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to go on air and bomb that show. Oh, well, maybe we can come up with a better better yeah, choice better, of better, words. Better choice of words there, Rick. Bomb, the, bomb the show. Maybe, you know, maybe. Photo bomb. Okay, maybe jump into the chat, you know, talk a little smack. That's fine. Bomb the show, man. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. He, well, he also well, pointed out that it was call, odd. Good they don't call Slick Rick the Al-Qaeda kid for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, is that what we call him, Paul? Okay. I didn't know that. Well, the Chiefs, hey, guys, the Chiefs and Bucks game uh, could also be impacted over the hurricane uh, as well. Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tentatively on Sunday. And now there's talk about possibly moving that game uh, up in Minnesota, believe it or not, as the Vikings and Saints will face off at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London this Sunday as the NFL takes it across the pond. Uh, There'll be uh, Minnesota Vikings Stadium will be available as well as... uh, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in New Orleans. So the game may actually get moved to a neutral site, but we'll keep an eye. Hurricane Ian obviously ravishing uh, all kinds of problems. As let me just um, let me say to Ed Henry, I just <laughs> want to let him know where me and Paul will not, and the LFS6B family here, we, where we will not need a map to get, and that's to the winner's circle in the RAV Open. We will not need a map to get there. So let me just remind him of that. Go ahead. Uh, Good. Sports continue. Okay, well, let's get on to Monday Night Football, guys. Uh, hey, Lamb's one-handed TD catch gives Shut Dallas up. a 23-16 win over the Giants. AP report. East Rutherford, New Jersey. CeeDee Lamb was angry with himself in that second quarter. Almost as angry as Slick Rick in the studio when he dropped that wide-open pass. Uh, and the star receiver more than made up for it with a game on the line, making a one-handed TD catch with his left hand with 8.30 to play to cap a go-ahead drive that gave the Cowboys a 23 16 win over the New York Giants on Monday night. Cooper Rush threw for 210 yards, including the one yard touchdown to Lamb and winning his second straight game, filling in for the injured Dak Prescott. So Cowboys now move to 2 to 1. Giants fall to 2 to 1. And the Eagles are the only team undefeated right now in the NFC. Looking good. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting as we move along. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are the only team in the AFC undefeated. So, wow, some very unusual happenings in football. And uh, just like life, they throw you a lot of curves. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. Did you know that the Atlantic Ocean goes up the whole coast? Ed Henry yes. wants us to know. So, yes. Well, we well he, was, he was calling into question your, your knowledge of the United States itself. Saying, My knowledge? Like, yes, yeah, saying, uh, I can't believe Damon doesn't realize that Georgia Yeah, I don't think that was directed at Rick A. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. What's going on? <laughs> he said what? He's directing it at me? Yeah. You didn't know that Georgia was north of No, I didn't say that, but but Slick Rick, when he first reported it, said the Mets-Braves series in Florida. And I said, in Florida? 
Oh, I said no. Was it impacting Florida? But I, I, did I say Mets Braves in Florida? Yes, that's okay. why I said yeah. that. Yes, what do you mean in said. Florida? That's why I was confused. Okay. Not because I don't know that's... the map, Ed Henry. We, you can come on the show. We'll go toe to toe with. I don't know. Something. <laughs> don't, don't do that. They, they, Stop they, right they, there. You're, you're biting off more than you can choose. Stop right there. Yes, Let's keep it at golf. They Nothing could have a tanning contest. Yes, exactly. So, All right, anything else and in you, sport? No, that's a wrap. I wrapped it. Okay, very good. <laughs> Slick Rick, thanks. We'll do some more sports. Uh, sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, by the way. Uh, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Do you think, by the way, just before we get off uh, sports, do you think Rick knows that C.D. Lamb led the league in drops last year? Yes, of course. I know. He was terrible. Are you questioning <laughs> Slick Rick on a Cowboys <laughs> a stat, Paul? No, of course oh. not. I just, <laughs> he has more fe- drops was- than FedEx on Christmas Eve last year. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but millions in cash from Beverly Hills safe deposit boxes uh, was seized, $86 million to be exact. The FBI misled the judge. Uh, this is from Tyler Durden over at Zero, Zero Hedge. The FBI drilled and pried their way into 1,400 safe deposit boxes in private vault company uh, in Beverly Hills after misleading a judge about their plan to permanently confiscate everything inside the box uh, boxes. Everything uh, with at least 5,000 in cash of goods uh, was, uh, w- was seized. And this is according to a senior FBI agent. They rummaged through personal belongings uh, of a jazz saxophone player, an interior designer, a retired doctor, floor contractor, two-century city lawyers, and hundreds of others. Agents took photos and videos of pay stubs, uh, uh, password lists, credit cards, uh, prenuptial agreements, immigration and vaccine records, uh, bank statements, heirlooms, and a will. Court records uh, will show all of this. And uh, in in one uh, box, the agents found uh, cremated human remains. The FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles mm-hmm. justified the five-day dragnet forfeiture at the U.S. private vault store by assuming that hundreds of anonymous box holders were storing assets somehow tied to unknown crimes. At the end of the operation, agents had recovered more than $86 million in cash and a bonanza of gold, silver, and rare coins, jewelry, and other items of value. Uh, now around 700 box holders who aren't implicated in any crimes uh, like in the raid to the police barging into a building's 700 apartments and taking every tenant's possessions when the only evidence of wrongdoing against uh, was the landlord. So they, uh, they're going to hold them up in court. And uh, this is a pretty sick power grab. Again, the FBI essentially Gestapo doing anything it wants without any form of, 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 of decency or legality. This is pretty crazy. And this is someone um, asked, is this from a while ago, Paul? This is, this is now? This has just happened? Well, this was from today. Uh, I've read it today. Okay. Yeah, it, the, it actually happened a few on, months ago. Right. I, yeah, the, this is now where the court is. Right. The, the, the This is finally going to court right now, and this is where they're, gotcha. they're challenging the illegal motion of what happened. Yeah, which is amazing that something like this is just getting headlines now that, you know, people weren't flipping out when the FBI did this. But, you know, eventually, thankfully, it's, it's starting to come to light because, you know, like I said, it's it's like, the, well, the landlord was the criminal, but let's arrest it and take everything from everybody else in the building. That's insane. All right, more news. Live from Studio 6B, more sports coming up, and the capitals of all 50 states. Social studies coming up. Oh, okay. <laughs>
live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Uh, President has a a couple things, a couple housekeeping notes. John Solomon, I believe, has a great special tomorrow night about the open borders being on the ballot. I believe that'll run at 6 o'clock. There you go. On the ballot, open borders. That was pretty close. 6 p.m. Wednesday, hosted by our own John Solomon, Just a News, Not Noise, in their regular time slot at 6 p.m. So make sure you tune into that. And then the president, of course, rally, I believe, on Saturday. Coverage starts at 4. Warren, Michigan, Ken, for um, getting out there and stomping for Tudor Dixon and others. And the president will be there. Our coverage starts at 4. I know Ben Berkwam, I believe, will be on the ground. I'm sure the great Steve Gruber will be. I mean, cause he, no one knows that area more than he does. Uh, he'll be involved. And, of course, you, you know how the coverage on Real America's Voice, how good it is. So lock it in 4 p.m. on Saturday. president will probably take the stage around 7, 8 o'clock or so, something like that. Uh, and it should be good. So uh, John Solomon tomorrow night, the president on Saturday. We'll be here all, all this week, of course, 8 o'clock. Uh, Paul Nolan's doing some news. Emirati's got sports. What even is that coming up tonight? Although three names, Delgado <laughs> won't tell us what it's about. It's fine. Geo friend holding it down as always. Um, so, so we're going to let's continue. Paul had that story about the FBI. I just yeah. want to, um, I just want to follow up with the story we started last night. There's a couple other really good pieces about this. Our friends, Hans von Spakovsky, who's been on the show a couple times talking about election fraud but he's uh, he's a fabulous obviously writer and thinker and a voice a very important voice on all issues he has a great piece today uh on that fbi arrest of the pro-life catholic uh speaker remember we yeah. did that yep so there's another piece i was going to get to his because yeah. it's excellent but there's another piece today in something called the patriot post um by Douglas Andrews, and it just follows up. You know, as we get closer to this election, I feel like we need to continue to harp on these stories so that you, it's not going to be enough this year, you know, just for us to be motivated to go vote. You, you've got to, we've got to motivate our friends, our fr- our family, our neighbors, our, we, we have to motivate everybody. And you have to be equipped with some of these, because sometimes it's going to even take getting into disagreements with people about the facts. And that's why I feel like our duty here is to, is to try to arm you with facts and these stories, especially when it comes to these alphabet gangs that's going on in this country, because we've never seen behavior like this. Paul's story, that, that that's now getting some attention. Of course, if you don't listen to us, you almost don't hear some of these stories. Now, this one is obviously getting some, in least conservative circles, is getting some attention. But so Douglas Andrews says, so I want to spend a little more time on this story because it's just outrageous. There is no justification for what happened here. None. There are pro-life centers and medical facilities all over this country that have been vandalized, that have been, and there's never, ever been anything like this. There's never even investigations to what happened. You don't hear any stories about people's houses with them showing up to arrest them. They don't even, they don't even look into them. And yet here you have this, this pro-life Catholic speaker. And as Douglas Andrews says, it's hard to think of an American institution that's fallen faster and harder than today's FBI, and deservedly so. Once held and highly esteemed along with our armed forces, the Bureau is now something of a cellar dweller down there with the tax collectors and the trial lawyers. Yeah. 
And we don't see a correction coming anytime soon, at least not as long as the Bureau keeps engaging in this sort of sickening thuggery, which is a great way to describe it, by the way. Sickening thuggery we saw on Friday in the small Pennsylvania town of uh, Kintersville. There, the home of author, pro-life activist, and father of seven, Mark Hawk, was raided by 25 to 30 armed FBI agents who pounded on the door. You know the story I told it to you yesterday. But as there are two sides to every story, he writes, and an FBI spokesperson pursed back vigorously against the claim that 25 to 30 armed FBI agents conducted the raid, a senior FBI source told Fox News there may have been 15 to 20 agents at the scene, but denied that 25 were there. Oh, so as he says, no biggie then, only 15 to 20 armed agents raided this nonviolent, non-threatening man's home and terrorized his wife and children. For a moment there, we thought the Bureau's show of force might have been grotesquely excessive. (laughs) I'm hearing from people, said former FBI agent Chris Swecker. My phone has exploded. Those in the past have been big supporters of the FBI are at this point fairly disgusted with what's going on. Let's be clear about something. Hawk isn't one of those violent extremists Joe Biden and Merrick Garland keep pratting on about. You know, the isolated cases the FBI has been pulling from its endless January 6th investigation and artificially sprinkling around the country to create this illusion of violent extremism that's aligned with the administration's false, fake, phony, fraudulent narrative? No. Mark Hawk isn't a domestic terrorist, isn't a jihadist, isn't a violent felon. He's a 48-year-old husband and father of seven co-founder and president of the King's Men, a Catholic ministry that aims to spiritually mentor young Catholic men. He's a well-known pro-life author, sidewalk counselor, committed to doing God's work by driving two hours a day to pray and speak outside of abortion clinics in downtown Philadelphia for as much as six to eight hours at a time. Sometimes he takes his 12-year-old son with him. And his alleged crime, you ask? A violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, the FACE Act, as columnist Hans von Spakovsky writes. The federal indictment claims that almost a year ago, Hawk verbally confronted and shoved an escort for an abortion patient to the ground and intentionally injured, intimidated, and interfered with the escort, Spakovsky continues. What the indictment fails to mention, says Hawk's wife and a family spokesman, is that on multiple occasions... This pro-abortion escort said crude, inappropriate, and disgusting things to his 12-year-old son. Moreover, the victim's assault claim against Hawk was so weak, so pathetic, that not only did Philly's hard-left George Soros-funded DA Larry Krasner refuse to file misdemeanor charges, but even the escort's civil lawsuit was thrown out of court, as I told you last night. This prompts the obvious question, what on earth is the FBI even doing with this quote-unquote case? Surely the Bureau has better things to do, right? For example, like tracking down, arresting, and prosecuting real criminals, real terrorists like the ones who've been threatening and firebombing dozens of pro-life pregnancy centers around the country? The pro-abortion terror group Jane's Revenge began targeting pro-life institutions ahead of the Supreme Court's June 24th ruling, which overturned Roe v. Wade and sent it back to the states. A post attributed to the group and published by the so-called abolition media on June 14th stated, through attacking, we find joy. 
To date, the Violent Collective has taken credit for at least 18 of 100 attacks, some of which involved firebombings and resulted in injuries. So, through attacking peaceful pro-life activists and resources, leftist domestic terrorists find joy. But we wonder, through terrorizing these peaceful activists and failing to stop their violent attackers, does Joe Biden's FBI also find joy? So, just to, I just want to continue to harp on this case because it's so outrageous what they did in this case to someone who has no criminal record and there is no justification for going in what they did. So, again, what we are seeing across this country and the behavior of this Department of Justice and all of its little tentacles... It's foul. Is, is he, what did he say? How did he call it? It's just sickening thuggery. That's what it is. That's absolutely what it is. Now, you have information today where yeah. you say more keeps coming out about these whistleblowers. Right. And, and this was something we had kind of touched upon even like a month or two ago when we saw some of these things that the FBI was doing, Roger Stone, you know, the, the, the Mar-a-Lago thing. It's like at some point, some of these good guys that are in there because we hear, you know, the rank and files doesn't really like this stuff, but they're not doing anything. We figured eventually, and Chuck Rassley's been on, on top of this as well, where they have come, you know, these whistleblowers are starting to come out, and thankfully so. Now, now you talked about the one from yesterday um, that was in the Just the News article with uh, Special Agent, FBI Special Agent Steve Friend. Uh, Dan Bongino, I, I, I listen to his podcast often, he had a two-part interview with a gentleman named Kyle Serafin, another FBI whistleblower, um, who you know, talked about how the FBI went from a law enforcement, you know, because they always talk about, oh, it's law enforcement. Oh, you know, you see criminal minds. You see all these TV shows. They kind of they plug us and they, and they lead us down this road of the FBI is good, law enforcement. You got to trust them, blah, blah, blah. And then you start to see this kind of nonsense. And he said they changed from a law enforcement to intelligence gathering because then they can keep doing stuff like this forever and nobody, nobody ever has to shut a case. Um, like I said, there's two parts to this interview, and one part at the end of the first interview caught my attention because he said a couple of, I think he and another one of his guys or two of the guys that he knows went to the Trump speech January 6th. They went to watch off, on their own time. And then, I believe he was there, he said when they saw the Antifa guys show up, they went, oh, this is not good. I better get out of here. See, now to me, if I'm in law enforcement, right, I, I mean, follow, me, follow along with this. If you're in law enforcement and you see people that you know are going to be up to no good, isn't that like a, a calling all cars moment? Don't you be like, you know what, let me call up my, uh, my guys here. Hey, this is what I see on the ground. We better prepare for something. Let's get some guys out here. I'm going to follow, make sure they don't get into any, uh, uh, start anything. It's just, it's just very strange that, you know, something like that, uh, would happen. And then, you know, back to Steve Friend, this FBI whistleblower, the one we were talking about yesterday, turns out now, because of what he's doing, Facebook has decided they're going to start shutting him down. His account was suspended. Um, and, and Friend's wife 
Her account was also suspended after she responded to an offer of support from a local chapter of Moms for Liberty, another conservative group that, of course, has come under fire because, well, you know, they support America and doing things the right way. And as you can tell, they're moms, so, so they must be terrorists because they, they, must, they must want to know what's going on in schools with their kids. So all of this stuff is kind of tied together. And like I said, this stuff just keeps coming out. And again, I listened to Bongino earlier today. He's got a great podcast and he's worked in the business. And he says a lot of these times, especially with these with these warrants, when they show up for with 15, 20, 25, however many, it's such a low level thing, especially with this pastor or this this writer, the speaker, where they usually just he goes and we did with with the Secret Service. He goes, you call them up, you call up their attorney, say, hey, we got this warrant. Let's set up a time for you to come in. We've seen this before where, where, you know, the news knows about it. Somebody high level. They're there. They take a few pictures. Oh, yeah, they turn themselves in. It's not getting done here. And it's because they're trying to shut people down. And like you said, the thuggery of it all. So he said there's more coming out and it'll be interesting um, to see if if the next if the next FBI uh, raid is done on Dan Bongino's house, I'll tell you what's even scarier than maybe all of that. Believe it or not, is what John Cardillo's been talking about and tweeted about. I, I don't know if this was today or yesterday. He says for all for well over a year, I've been telling you that my law enforcement sources told me the FBI was going after people who weren't even in D.C. Yes, on January 6th, purely because of their politics. I was attacked and insulted for fabricating intel. Now FBI whistleblowers are confirming it. And he shows pictures of these, um, you know, um, letters basically going over that. So, I mean, you want to talk about even worse people who weren't even there. All right, sports and news coming up. A couple of great videos for you as well. Crazy Town. Is this English? B13 to the hour on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do still. Got some good video to get to. I got a really cute video by, I believe he's about 15, 16 years old, Brylan. And his, um, his outfit that I believe he started is called the Truth Gazette. And he went to the um, Alabama Vanderbilt game to ask people about Joe Biden and President Trump. And he, <laughs> he put together a really good, really good video. Support this young man, uh, even though he did get some very interesting answers. <laughs> even in Alabama, he got some very interesting answers. Uh, it's a really cute video. So I'll play that for you after we do what even is that. Uh, but right now, let's do some sports. And here with sports is Slick Rick. Rick Amorati Sports brought to you by, of course, Mike Lindell and Pillow. I believe the towel. What did I say? Towels are on sale this towels week. Towels are They're on like sale. Yeah. $19. Ridiculous. You get a set how, for 19 bucks. How can you be making them for much less than that? For $19. Buy them now, uh, Buy them now for the holidays. Understand. Buy them. All right. LFS6B gets you what, uh, 10 to 60% off at checkout. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right. Well, Aaron Judge at the plate in Toronto right now, trying to get that 61st homer. Uh, right now, the Yanks over Toronto, mm. 4 to 1, which is really more important. Yankees want to continue to win. Looks like they're going to be getting into the playoffs and winning their division. How many games left for him to, to hit it? Well, I think last check, Rick Delgado said eight. So uh, that's less than 10, Big D. Uh, and uh, building every at-bat for him, boy. It's got to be getting in his head. Is that less than 10? Yeah, it sure is. So and, about 40 uh, at-bats? 
roughly. Yeah, yeah right. About four. Yeah, about four a game, about five 30, a game, four to five game. Yeah. That's correct. Big thing. Mm. Well, let's get let's talk about a, game, a division that is heating up. NL East right now. Braves one over the top of, of the Nationals, four to two. That's in the top of the sixth. Braves looking to pull even with the Mets, but the Mets right now trail the Marlins six to three, and that's in the top of the fifth. Boy, that's going to be a good series played in Atlanta, Truist Park. But they're going to feel the remnants of the storm coming up the coast this weekend. So big weekend in baseball for. National League East, and for Met and Brave fans, great, great, great rivalry, great series. Let's talk about a little bit of rodeo, Big D. We didn't get much last night with Monday Night Football, but we got the Pasadena Livestock Show and Rodeo uh, still still underway September 23rd to the 29th, Pasadena, Texas, Ross Kelly Arena, and bareback leaders right now, Leighton Berry, 88.5 points on Frontier Rodeo's Night Fist, Steel Wrestling, second round, J.D. Struxness, 3.8 seconds, Team Roping, Tana Tomlinson and Patrick Smith checking in at 4.2 seconds, $1,312. Saddle Bronc, Dean Wadsworth, 74 points on Frontier Rodeos, Dixie. And tie-down roping leader, Connor Atkinson, 8.1 seconds. Bull riding, no qualified rides as of yet, $82,776 is the payout. And NHRA, we didn't get to that either from over the weekend. Big D, I missed that last night, but want to get to it now. We don't want to forget National Hot Rod Association. A couple of quick recaps. There's about 50 different races. I usually try to get the top five that I feel. And this is at the Betway NHRA Carolina Nationals. That'd be in Concord, South Carolina, Big D, which is just above Georgia, according to Ed Henry. Uh, <laughs> top Fuel, Antron Brown, 3.672, 335 miles an hour. Woo. Funny car, Ron Caps, 3.967, 286.74 miles an hour. Pro Stock, Aaron Stanfield, 6.567, 210 miles an hour. Top Alcohol Dragster, that's Delgado's favorite car. Uh, Earl Nichols, 5.289, 273.61. And last but not least, pro-modified Justin Bond, no relations to James, 5.767 at 248.29 miles an hour. Come on, I got to keep it happy and snappy. Listen, NFL replaces Pro Bowl with the Pro Bowl games, featuring skill competitions and a flag football game, which is basically what the Pro Bowl's been in the last 10 years anyway. It's been a flag football game, right, Paul? Victor Barbosa of Yard Barker, the Pro Bowl will be undergoing a significant makeover according to a report by the AP. The new event called the Pro Bowl Games will feature AFC and NFC players showcasing their football and non-football skills in challenges over several days. The first football Yeah, I know. I'm going to cook an omelet? You're only going to show them mixing drinks. I don't know. Anyway, the first Pro Bowl took place in 1951 and the 2023 games will be held in Las Vegas with the flag football contest taking place at Allegiant Stadium on February 5th, which is probably the only thing that's going to be happening this year in Vegas as far as Allegiant Stadium goes. And Hall of Famer Peyton Manning and his Omaha Productions Company will help shape programming and promote the event's content throughout the week. Manning will also be part of the coaching staff for the flag football game. So the Manning brothers throwing their hat into the ring. Big D, as far as the non-football skills, I'll have to get back to you on that one because yeah. I don't know what non-football skills they'll be showcasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe how to drive your Porsche and maybe, oh, you know, who knows. wow. Yeah, that would be uh, yeah. quite the flip. All uh, right, here's Big the D. question of the night, Slick Rick, for you and your sports uh is your closet bigger than mrs closet uh yeah 
Yeah, at this point. <laughs> okay. I'm one of the few guys that when he goes out with his wife, the wife looks at him and goes, what are you wearing? <laughs> God. Okay. The audience wanted to know. I saw that question down there. I figured I'd ask you. So okay, I've been relegated enough. to two trunks that slide under the bed. My wife got every closet in the house. <laughs> Nolan. Yeah. All right. Slick Rick with sports. We'll do some more sports. Let's do some news with uh, two trunks himself. Uh, Mr. Ball Nolan, what's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, sabotage is most likely the cause of the leaks in the Baltic Sea gas uh, pipelines between Russia and Europe. European leaders have said after seismologists reported explosions around the Nord Stream pipelines. A seismograph on the Danish island of Bornholm, near where the leaks occurred, uh, twice recorded spikes on Monday, a day on which Nord Stream 1 and 2 gas, pipes, uh, past gas pipelines underwent dramatic falls in pressure. Uh, European Commission President Ursula von uh, der Leyen said leaks were due to sabotage and threatened the strongest possible response to any deliberate disruption of European energy infrastructure. She said any deliberate disruption of active European energy infrastructure is unacceptable and lead and will lead to the strongest possible response. Um, also adding to that, um, Denmark's prime minister on Tuesday said it was hard to imagine that the three leaks detected in Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines in the Baltic Sea were accidental. She said it's an unusual situation to have three leaks a distance from each other. That's why it's hard to imagine that this is accidental. Uh, prime Minister uh, uh, Met uh, Fredriksson of Danish media, uh, she said during her visit to Poland. So, you know, I mean, I guess we could all talk about this. This to me is like as obvious as it gets. To me, I don't think anybody can, here can cannot see what this is connected to. There's motive. Um, there's forced scarcity. This is just feeds into all the agendas available. I mean, this to me feels nothing like. I mean, if anyone denies that this is just a coincidence, I mean, I want to sell them. You know, I want to sell them a bridge that was given to me. It was in Brooklyn. Uh, my grandpa gave it to me a long time ago. I could sell it to you for a cheap price, and. Uh, it, and if you believe this one, you probably believe Epstein uh, really did kill himself. So, well, so do you want to get more specific on that, Paul? Like, do you do you have like a when you say that? Well, well so I mean, well, let me play this clip. Let me play this clip first, then we can talk about it. The Swedish seismologist from uh, Lund University explained uh, to a report how it was possible for him to be determined that it was an explosion taking place by the Nord Stream pipelines. Let me uh, let me play this clip for you, Paul, because people are pointing to I believe February seventh of this year. Yeah, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, not yeah. suspicious, not at all. No. No, because we, we all know that, like, you know, energy scarcity is probably not a great way to gain power and money and control. Right. Right. Meanwhile, we're constantly inundated with every green agenda. You know, every single report that we see from these, you know, establishment universities like Yale and Harvard and all these Ivy League scams and, you know, Chapel Hill. We saw what happened there. It's just, they just bought and paid for it. It's like, here, write us our, uh, our press release 
and we'll report it as real. And if anybody writes us a report, like we've seen all the reports from like independent studies out of like out of Switzerland and the Netherlands, you know, that show that, you know, there is so much evidence that the global warming agenda that they push is just being pushed by people that fit their agenda. It's just all. All right, live from Studio 6B. More news, more sports coming up. Hour two. Stay with us. Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's doing some news. Rick Amorati's got some more sports. Geo Friend holding it down as always. Say what's up to everybody in the Getter chat. They're fired up as always. Rick Delgado's here. Rick 3 named Delgado's going to be doing what even is that here coming up in a second. Before we get to that, though, remember Biden's Biden's been telling us about... um, how he's cutting the deficit and he's cutting this and he's cutting that and he's spending less. And I don't want to hear about um, big spending Republicans tell us, to, you know, all that's the same stuff he does. Here's yeah. a, just a quick cut for G, just a quick on Biden's um, college scam. Oh, here we go. You know, uh, how much is it going to cost? Well, we haven't figured out the, how much is it going to cost. Well, we're going to get to that. How much is it going to cost? Well, we haven't totally, well, we're saving in $900 zillion because we're cutting the deficit, <laughs> don't you remember? Cut four, G, roll that. A new estimate of the cost of President Biden's plans to address college debt. Last month, the White House announced it would cancel up to $20,000 in student debt for low to middle income borrowers. The Congressional Budgets Office just put out a price for the plan, a price Ooh. tag. They say $400 billion. Dollars. Wow. Chief Business Correspondent Christine Romans here with that $400 billion. Yeah, and look, there were no offsets to this, right? So this $400 billion number is likely to revive the debate over uh, the most expensive, one of the most expensive parts of the Biden agenda. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe it should uh, get the conversation going about how a president, they think legally, can just give away $400 billion. Let's talk about that. How about, <laughs> how about that? Um, that's so, not important. Yeah, no, no, of course not. So we're, we're saving money. <laughs> um, all right, it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. What? What's that? And that, of course, is Rick Three Named Delgado <laughs> with what even is that? Three names. It sounds like I'm a menu item or something. <laughs> Three names. Uh, all right. So, anyhow, I don't know if you were paying attention. I know we talked about it last week, but a funny thing happened last Sunday Ooh. when on uh, 60 Minutes last week they had their butt-massaging infomercial with Joe Biden <laughs> that, well, you would need a sham wow to clean up all the drool that was involved in that one. And that was a lot of fun to watch. But what really jumped out at me and, and many of us here was, was when he was asked this particular question. Oh. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. And because Joe is Joe, <laughs> the, he responded rather creepily with this answer. Watch me. Oh. 
I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. Seriously, what even is that? Watch you? No, really, is that your answer? Watch you? Watch me. Watch me. Watch me make caca. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the exact answer you would expect from a spoiled, unencumbered elitist who's so disconnected from reality and the truth that they think they actually do things. (laughs) I mean, anything that could be consequential to benefit anyone else's lives. Sure. Watch me. Yeah, watch you. (laughs) Believe me, Potato Joe, we've been watching, and we've also been listening. And between the two, I'd say, well, you got some splaining to do. Yeah. Like, like, can you tell us why you keep falling asleep at work? <laughs> Basically, since you started running, or should I say uh, hiding in your basement, maybe you can explain what we've been seeing and hearing. Watch me. And <laughs> since God, you've taken office, stop. we've really been watching. And I mean, well, let's face it. Who can forget this classic? Yes. Right here, we see an old man having trouble walking up a simple flight of stairs. Look at him go. Staggering. But what does he say? Watch me. Yeah. Like I said, we are. And can you explain this one, Joe? Because this looks like you're shaking hands with your old pal, the Invisible Man. And then, of course, there's this classic. Yes. Yeah, we remember this one. I know. Whoa. I know. I know. You keep saying to watch you. And as you can see, we have been. And so we have more questions. Like last week, what the hell was this? I mean, I can't decide. Do you think, I don't know, uh, are you doing some NASCAR interview like Ricky Bobby when you you got problems with your hands there? I don't get it. (laughs) Or maybe you're getting ready for, uh, maybe you're going to do a stint, uh, uh, Dancing with the Stars, and you're you're practicing the robot dance. And, and, and Joe, let me ask you, and, and what happens here? Your, your head spins around like, like you just heard the voice of God finally uh, calling you thank you to walk towards the light. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or I don't know. Maybe you're just showing us how you spend the day puttering around the White House like Mr. Tudball, uh, Carol Burnett reference, looking to strike up a conversation with a cat. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe... Uh, it could be me. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe you're a fan of Taco. All right. <laughs> no, Joe. Not the Mexican food, you old coot. There you go. Yeah, Come on. Look at him. Right, He's getting go. hungry. I'm, I'm talking about the song that they played in Young Frankenstein, and maybe this was your way of recreating your favorite scene. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion is? Let's hear it, Joe. (laughs) Like I said, Joe, we have been watching... And and let's oh, let's say oh besides oh, the latest oh, and the greatest, oh, no. there's the obvious oh, no. mental deterioration oh, that we've been witnessing over the past oh, twenty God. months. Oh, there have Ew. also been far too many things we've seen from you. And in the past weekend, well, let's oh, guess, you oh, were at it once again. We go back a long oh, way. Every kid cringes. She was twelve. I was thirty. But anyway. Oh. Oh. Read the room, groomer. Oh. Little kids don't like creepy. Old groping fossils grabbing, rubbing, and sniffing them. Yeah. Maybe that works in your family, 
But for us, <laughs> regular people aren't disgusting dirtbags like you. That's not acceptable. No. And another thing that's not acceptable is how you keep calling more than half the country terrorists. Mm-hmm. When the real terror seems to be happening in the country is coming from the result of your policies and the agenda of you and your Marxist buddies who seize control of this country through a hijacked election. But hey, don't worry, because guess what? The tides, I hear they are a turning and they say a red wave is coming. The only question now is when it does come crashing down on you, Joe, what you going to do then? Tell us some BS story from 68 years ago that will make us all want to vomit. And by the way, you know I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Yeah, disgusting. Damon, back to you. I, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'll be back. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Help oh me. man! Uh, All right, Rick Delgado. What uh, even is that? That was woo. Thank you. That was good. Well, that was if, good. If, if you if you need the answer to anything, just watch him. Oh man! All right, let's watch. do um, Brylin on the street. G goes to the Alabama Vanderbilt game. Well, we'll play most of it here. Roll it. Hey everybody, Brian Hollyhand here, 16-year-old conservative commentator, founder, and editor-in-chief of the Truth Gazette. We're here outside Bryant-Denny Stadium on the campus of the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're about to go do some violent on the street interviews. So you pro-Trump or pro-Biden? Uh, hard to say, man. <laughs> I definitely, I wouldn't want Trump to run again, but I, I mean, Biden's a disaster, so. Definitely Trump. <laughs> it's Trump all the way. <laughs> I love the dance. Uh, does a bear but <laughs> man, I support Trump. Nice. <laughs> Donald Trump all day. I'm uh, pro Trump. Uh, I just, I just like the way he uh, kind of advances our economy and kind of protects that and just keeps everything solid. And I like the way he ran it. Um, other than that, I mean, it's Trump. <laughs> Looks like he's drawing himself off. I'm not pro either. Uh, less pro Trump, though. You're fired. Get out of here. So, what would you say to Joe Biden if he was here right now? Yeah, um, I'd say roll tide. Roll tide to that. Um, I guess the. First thing I'd say to him is, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. I would say, Sleepy Joe, can you please go to retirement home? You are killing our country. Yeah. You've got the borders open. You are not doing anything for the American people. Inflation's up. Interest rates are up. You're killing America. You're killing common people. You need to go to a nursing home. Come on, man. Um, I would tell him that if he truly loves America, he would get out of the White House because it's not good for him or the country. Line dog face pony soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I, mean, I don't know. What do you say to a politician? They get they get questions all day. You know, they know how to avoid them. I'm happy to circle back with our team on that specific report. Circle back, circle back, circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint conservative Twitter, but I am going to circle back. 
Um, support Amtrak. I'm a big train fan. Okay. Should do more for that. Name the railroad after me or something. Yeah. But anyway. I'd ask him, like, <laughs> gas prices, they're going down. What's he going to do to keep them going down? Housing prices are through the roof. What's he going to do to help normal people be able to afford housing? What's his plan to just get America as we get out of the COVID and get back to work? What's his plan to get this country rolling again? Those are dumb questions. Okay, so uh, who do you think should run in 2024? I would like to see a principled, moderate, conservative person run like Liz Cheney. <laughs> that guy's lost. Okay, you think Liz Cheney's going to run? I would like to see her run. I think that she's making some moves that would lead in that direction. I'm not an insider, so I can't say for sure. I think she's definitely eyeing her run. I think she might run. But what do you think? She couldn't win the state of Wyoming in her congressional race. Do you think she's going to be able to win the United States of America? Wyoming is three electoral votes. I don't think that not winning Wyoming is going to be a big challenge towards winning the entire America. We need a principled moderate to run this country. <laughs> Should he run? Yes. We need Trump back in there. We have to get Joe Biden out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not very political. I mean, I know a lot of people say that. I mean, it kind of speaks to the political situation in America now. But uh, I'd say that, I mean, uh, DeSantis looks pretty decent. Um, I don't know who else is even really, you know, the names out there. I hope Trump doesn't run again because he's too freaking old. And I'm a big DeSantis fan in 2024. Um, I also like... Uh, Bootygag a lot. I like him. Uh, he's a big public transport fan, and I am too. Isn't that a movie? The governor for Florida. I forgot his name. Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis. I like him. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, though, but I'd vote for him. Um, We'll see. Um, either him or DeSantis, but absolutely. Yeah, both are great candidates. Both would be good people in the White House. Better than Joe Biden, so let's go Brandon into that. Let's go, Brandon. Roll Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you think Joe Biden's done a good job as president? Uh. All right, hold it here, Jake. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Whoa, oh. We'll finish it when we get back. from Studio 6B. Let me talk to you about our friends at Birch Gold Group. Last time we went through a recession, there were stocks that literally went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler, multiple blue chip stocks that went to little or no value almost overnight. Could that happen again? Some would say it's already started. If it did, are your savings protected? Well, why not own something that's never been valued at zero? Gold. Historically, your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market, from global instability to increased national debt and the devaluing of the dollar. Chances are you're looking for a way to diversify too. Here's how you get started. Contact Birch Gold Group. Find out how to hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Text America to 989898 and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. In fact, even if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, 
you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals. So text America to 989898. Hedge against inflation, protect your hard-earned money, and get your free information kit. That's America to 989898. Text them today. All right, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do some sports. And here with that is the Slickster, Slick Rick Sports on Getter, on Twitter, at Slick Rick Sports, Rick Amorati Sports, brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, mypillow.com, slash LFS6B, LFS6B at checkout, 10 to 60% off most items. The towels are the focus this week, 19, I believe, 95 for a set of towels that I believe do come in Slick Rick Purple. Yes? Yes, the towels I think do. They do. Yeah, yeah, I think they have Slick Rick Purple. Hopefully so. they're in stock, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that. That I wonder how, I wonder if that's going to be true throughout the um, holiday season. You know, people are doing their holiday shopping now if they find things they want and it's in stock because Buttigieg has done nothing to make the supply chains any better. You're hearing people who run some of these big box stores, all of the warehousing, saying we're already behind where we would be in a normal holiday season of getting stuff out to the stores. So I'll tell you, I mean. Whether it's my pillow or anything else, don't wait this year. If you see something you really know you need and want, grab it if you can, because who knows what it's going to be like come this fourth quarter of the year. It could be really volatile in a lot of different ways. Mortgages today, by the way, hit 7.02%. Oh. Talked about Did this on last just night's drive show. drive a hatchet into my chest? Wow. 7.02 for 30-year fixed. A lot of the big lending companies also today pulled a lot of their other offerings. So these people who have been waiting on closing, as I told you this last night, I didn't know it was going to happen today. People who have been waiting on a closing, who have been locked in at some rate, the mortgage companies aren't even going to the closing table. If you locked in at five, back when mortgages hit five about a month ago, five weeks ago, I wouldn't be surprised if people can't even get to the closing table as these yeah. rates continue to go up. And good luck trying to sue the bank or fight them in court because that'll cost you a fortune and you're going to lose anyhow. Yeah. All right, let's do some sports with Slick Rick. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, well, keeping with the financial, here's a little tie-in from sports on a little different level. 18 NFL owners make Forbes' list of 400 wealthiest Americans. This is Dan Treacy of Yard Barker. Forbes published its annual list of the 400 wealthiest Americans on Thursday, and more than half of all NFL owners made an appearance. The wealthiest owner in American professional sports is the newest, as Broncos owner Rob Walton came in at 12th with a net worth of $56.7 billion. Walton... Uh, also had several family members high on the list, including his brother Jim, 10th, and his sister Alice, 15th. Boy, I wonder who brings the turkey on Thanksgiving <laughs> for that one. Uh, Panthers owner David Tepper is 33rd. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, 44th. And Rams owner Stan Kroenke is 48th, each with a net worth of over $12 billion. Kroenke notably owns both the reigning Super Bowl champions and the reigning Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. Life is good. Rounding out the top 100 on Miami's Stephen Ross, uh, 52nd. Jacksonville's Shahid Khan, 56th. New England, uh, Robert Kraft, 59th. And Atlanta's Arthur Blank, 99th. Forbes noted that while the minimum net worth required to land on the top 400 dropped by $200 million over the past year due to a stock market decline, tech billionaires were hit the hardest. 
And uh, as U.S. Uh, wins President's Cup, Tiger Woods caddies for son in career round. Uh, this is uh, Bentley Roman of Yahoo Sports. Tiger Woods wasn't on hand at Quail Hall this past week, but he still made an impact on the U.S. President's Cup team from making his own pairings, suggestions, and um, joining team meetings virtually to watch the action on television and even calling U.S. Captain Davis Love III during the actual competition. Woods has retained some duties, though, unofficially from his victorious 2019 captaincy. Yet on Sunday afternoon, as the Americans were putting the finishing touches on a 12th win and 14 tries in the biennial event, Woods was a little distracted. Uh, he had more important matters to tend to some 500 miles south of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, in a small Florida town called Howie in the Hills. Uh, it sounds like Harry on the Harry in the Highway. Woods was caddying for his son, Charlie, in a junior tournament. A cute story, anyway. Charlie Woods, 13, and opened the 36-hole qualify for the Note Begay uh, third junior golf national championship in 8 over 80 at Mission Inns Resort El Campion course. And while he didn't punch his ticket to the championship event, he bounced back in a huge way on Sunday, uh, carding a career best four under 68 for Charlie. So uh, I thought that was cute with uh, Tiger. You know, taking number one priority, more important than the, uh, the President's Cup was uh, certainly Charlie. And let's face it, they didn't need any help with that President's Cup, Big D. We reported on that last night. No, what no, a no, no. Very, very similar to me and Paul. We're not going to need any help with uh, Mr. Henry and, and Mr. Junior. Yeah. No help at all. It'll <laughs> yeah. be a very similar outcome. All right, Big you D. Know, we should make it interesting. I'll play. I'll, I, I see Ed Henry is so unathletic. I'm going to say that <laughs> if, if, if you let me play with just my, let's just say, seven iron the whole round, I'll tee off with it. I'll chip with it. I'll even putt with it. Give me one club and I'll still beat those guys. All right, let's not get crazy here, Nolan. I mean, what are you? Did you? What are you? You drinking too much caffeine over there? We'll use all the clubs in the bag and just whoop up on them. You can't smell what's in this thing. Paul's turning into. Paul's starting to lose it. Yeah, he's, he's turning seven. Iron. He's turning into Freddie on the fairway. <laughs> yeah, Freddie on the yeah. fairway. Anything uh, else in sports? Yeah, that's a wrap. Big D, back to you. All right, let's get to Mister Seven Iron and let's do some news. <laughs> seven and here with that's Mr. a good nickname. Mr. Paul Nolan, what's going on, Mr. <laughs> Nolan? I'm going to tell you a real true story. I was playing with my brother-in-law at his club, and my brother-in-law, a very good player, and the club champion was playing against us. Well, now we're having a good time. And this is when I just started. The guy played the whole round with one club, his driver, putted with it, chipped with it, did everything with it, and beat us. <laughs> the guy shot a 79 with just one club. That's all he used the whole round. Okay. Yeah, you want to so, yeah. make sure that you told that story? So, I mean, that's not building a lot of confidence in our team, Paul, but you're much better now is what you're saying, I hope right? that was 20 years ago. I was 24 years old at the time, and I had just second or third time playing. But okay. So, in other news, <laughs> sorry, um, I just remembered it. It was very humbling. So, um, anyway, a 24-year-old woman in Arizona was arrested and charged with crimes related to human smuggling enterprise on September 23rd, according to the El Mirage Police Department. Over a six-month period at least, the woman, Tanya Hernandez, had allegedly held or processed 80 to 100 illegal aliens per month at a residence in El Mirage, the police department had stated on a Facebook post. The illegal aliens were charged as much as 15000 each in the smuggling fees, police said. They also said at the $15,000 a person, at 80 people a month, they're estimating over $7.2 million in total fees that she had received. Um, 
Officers stopped the uh, vehicle uh, leaving the residence and discovered Hernandez transporting a Guatemalan national, uh, the police report said. Uh, during the subsequent search, warrant executed on the home, police uh, seized semi-automatic rifles, handguns, and uh, which was reported also uh, loads of ammunition. So just, um, you know, the smuggling business is getting worse and uh, I just love to see more of this, this, these stories happening. So. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I thought the Zero Hedge did a good job uh, reporting. We don't see that anywhere. So, uh, also, I don't know if you saw this, but I, you know, we talked about the Great Reset and all the banking and all everything that happens with energy. I saw this story, and all I could think about my my tinfoil hat went crazy. Over a thousand Australian schools have introduced <laughs> to their canteen snacks containing bugs. Kids are now munching on chips laced with eco-friendly cricket protein made by Circle Harvest. And there's a whole clip. I'll put the clip on my getter page. I'm playing it right now. Watching the kids testing eating these chips. Yeah, that way, you know, mum and dad might let you have more chips. Good stuff. Do you like them, Annabelle? Do you like them? No. <laughs> no, they don't like them. They suck. Get out of here with your nonsense. Where's the Doritos? All right, 30 minutes past the, past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. So let's go back to, um, let's just finish that Brylin on the street. That kid, 16 years old, started this Truth Gazette. Good for him. Uh, pretty funny video, pretty cool editing, too, that he tried to do here. Uh, give him a lot of credit. I got some pretty wacky answers, <laughs> even though in Alabama, I love the kid who says, I'm for the trains. And then the next time around, he says, I like that governor of Florida for president. And I also like Buttigieg. <laughs> he doesn't say Buttigieg. I don't know what he calls him. But that, that's, uh, I remember what he said. Booty gang. Booty gang or yeah, booty, booty gang. I'm not exactly sure how you end on those two, but uh, that seems like. Was well, he being a wise guy calling him booty? I, in a street, I don't think some so. Some kind of a slur, some kind of sexual slur. Was there anything in there? Maybe it was on purpose. I don't think so. It didn't sound mm -hmm. that way. Um, let's pick it up, G, where we left it off. Roll it. You think Joe Biden's done a good job as president? Uh... <laughs> Personally, nah. So, President Trump came here to a Bama game right across the road at Brighton Denny a few years ago. Do you think he should come back to another Bama game? Oh, uh, definitely. Definitely uh, come back for the Iron Bowl. Absolutely. Iron Bowl's here this year, Mr. President. So come back. Come to Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl. We'll fly you in. Hell yeah, dude. We love him here in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to see him here in T-Town. A <laughs> few years ago, President Trump was right across the street at a Bama game with Brighton Denny. You, you I, was I was right there too. under him. I was, I was 20 feet under him. How cool. How cool. Do you think President Trump should come back to another game? I would love to have President Trump here. I would love to see him here. Uh, I would love for him to come back to another football game, and this time we'll win. Absolutely. All right, there you go. So. That was a blowout, that game, too. Right? Pretty, uh, pretty good video. So There's a... Um, there's a piece in the New York Post today, Craig McCarthy. Judge orders NYPD union members fired over vax mandate to be reinstated. In a major victory for members of the NYPD's largest police union, a judge ruled 
uh, cops who were fired for not getting vaccinated against the coronavirus have to be reinstated. In a stunning decision, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Lyle Frank wrote that the city's vaccine mandate on the Police Benevolent Association was invalid, quote, to the extent it has been used to impose new condition of employment, unquote, on the union. The mandate was also invalid because it issued enforcement beyond monetary sanctions prescribed in the law, Frank wrote, ordering that all PBA members put on leave or canned must be reinstated. It would be a gross overstatement of the city's Department of Mental Health and Hygiene to say it could enforce the vaccine mandate through termination, unpaid leave, or suspension, the judge said. To be unequivocally clear, this court does not deny that at the time it was issued, the vaccine mandate was appropriate and lawful, the ruling says, but the city hadn't established a legal basis or lawful authority for the DOH to exclude employees from the workplace and impose any other adverse employment action as an appropriate enforcement mechanism of the vaccine mandate. Any new condition of employment would have to have been included in a collective bargaining agreement between a labor union and the city, the judge wrote. Judge Frank is the same judge who recently ruled to toss the city Department of Education's budget. This decision confirms what we have said from the start. The vaccine mandate was an improper infringement on our members' rights to make personal medical decisions in consultation with their own healthcare professionals. PBA president and Fonzie lookalike Pat Lynch said in a statement, we will continue to fight to protect those rights. The ruling is the second big blow against the Big Apple's COVID-19 measures in a week after a Manhattan judge ruled last week An NYPD cop who sued over the mandate couldn't be fired for refusing to get the jab. Brooklyn cop Alexander Daletto, 43, should be allowed to keep his job after the city offered no explanation why it rejected his request for a religious exemption. The two rulings could also set precedents for other unions in various cities um, and their city departments to the extent that the mandate isn't codified in their collective bargaining labor deals. So just a little more, um, a little, little taste of sanity where we can get it in New York, like this and Pelosi getting booed out of Central Park, which is just fantastic. Paul, did you see that? Yes. Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, what I thought was, when I, when I saw it, I was just like, there, there is a God. This is official. This humanity hasn't completely failed yet. And then it occurred to me, she wasn't getting mad because she... She thought they were saying booze, <laughs> not that it weren't booze. Yeah. Uh, she, oh. she, so she was all excited that she they were going to give her some a slug of whatever she could get her hands on. Uh, uh-huh. That was funny. I saw I saw one of the clips from an audience member and like some guy with like the typical like New York dweeby voice. Why would they possibly be booing her? And the guy turns and says. Because she's rigged the system to get rich off of me and you. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great Twitter clip. I wish I could find it. It was just great. Yeah. So, well, anytime we can find some sanity in New York, we'll, uh, we'll bring it to you. So at least. Um, I mean, aside from our own. And by the way, it brings us back to Daniel Horowitz's piece yesterday, which a lot of you asked about uh, where that was. That's on the blaze. And if you go to their opinion section, Daniel Horowitz's piece from yesterday 
about the um, Republicans and Kevin McCarthy's um, plan for whatever America, whatever the hell it's called, and how he says the COVID fascism is left out of it, unfortunately, because there's too many Republicans who don't want to fight that fight. Don't want to fight that fight. Thomas Massey, by the way, is not one of them. Rand Paul's not one of them. But there are too many who just don't want to fight that fight. Um, And speaking of the Republicans, there's a piece today in The American Thinker by John Green entitled, There's a Reason Conservatives Are Becoming Less Tame. And it is once again just another piece outlining that there's too many soft Republicans who are not really down for the fight here against the enemy that we're up against. And um, talks about the Tea Party starting as a grassroots movement and the fact that even if they take back the House, is this Republican Party really down for the fight because the playing field has really changed going back to what we've talked about a lot on this show what's going on at the department of justice what's going on with this president what's going on with this democrat party how they feel about the country how they feel about you half the country that didn't vote for their uh, marxist agenda And this is why I continue to say it's just not going to be enough in November for you to be this audience. We know the audience, this audience is ready. But that's not going to be enough. You've got to talk to your friends. You've got to talk to your neighbors. You've got to bring three, four, five, six, ten people with you. You've got to volunteer at the polls. Whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you've got to educate them, especially the ones that, you know, let's face it. uh, And we all see them. We, We know some of them. They're busy. They get. They got lives. They they don't. Ha- they're not as politically um, astute. That they're not paying attention because they are so busy with other stuff. They just think, oh well, you know, it's either Republican or Democrat. Oh, that sounds good. You got to educate them, remind them. Hey, the reason why this is going so badly is because of these policies. Let them know that it's 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 black and white in terms of some of these issues. Too many times, I think people are just they go along to get along. And that's not going to cut it this time. And hopefully, you know, if they take power back in in the uh, in the House, which looks inevitable, that it's by a large margin, and most of these people coming in are Trump uh, supported and backed uh, MAGA Republicans who demand, you know, we need changes. We're not just going to, you know, come in here and show up for work, collect a check, and all of a sudden play soft and play nice and do what. Do what happened after after what happened, uh, you know, back in uh, what was it, 2010? Changes need to be made, and policies need to be shifted. And and you know, talking talking about it on the campaign trail is one thing, but the day after, get to work. Simple as that. Get to work. You, you know, said you said you were going to do something. Now do it. Yeah. And, and that's the main thing, because as this article, and I'll link to it on our social media, says, uh, we have got to start playing ball like they play ball. And, they, and they, draw the con- they draw the distinction between the Tea Party and the fact that the Tea Party started as a grassroots movement to push back against leftist physical, you know, fiscal policies that would have enslaved your children to a mountain of debt, and that's exactly where we are now. It was a peaceful movement, the Tea Party. 
They held rallies and protests all over America. Everybody was welcome. There was no violation, violence, vandalism, nothing. Rally goers even picked up their trash at the end of every gathering. They unapologetically loved America and would do nothing to sully her. Did Barack Obama and his leftist elites bother to talk to the Tea Party about their grievances? Absolutely not. Instead, they called the Tea Party racist. They claimed the Tea Party was a bunch of radical extremists. Then President Obama weaponized the IRS to attack the Tea Party supporters with abusive audits. They denied their organization's nonprofit status. The tax code said that they were entitled to. The constitutional rights of the Tea Party supporters were under assault. As the attacks escalated, the Tea Party morphed into a movement for constitutional adherence, government accountability, and America first. MAGA was born, though it wasn't named yet. And then Donald Trump came down the golden escalator. He didn't create MAGA. MAGA drafted him. He agreed to fight for constitutional conservatives and gave their movement a name, Make America Great Again. How very radical. The movement needed an unapologetic standard bearer to represent them. They needed their own George Patton. Donald Trump was that guy. Did the Democrats and their bureaucratic overlords bother to hear their grievances then? Nope. They weaponized the DOJ, FBI, CIA, CDC, and NIH. They used swamp operatives to taint an election. They accused anyone with concerns about the election of being seditious and insisted they be punished. They not only remained unwilling to talk to conservatives, they worked to use the power of government to crush all dissenting speech. Now we have president return to normalcy in the Oval Office. Unfortunately, normalcy turns out to be American hostages sacrificed to the Taliban, inflation at 40-year high, recession, and open borders. Our own government has been further weaponized against its own citizens, and it's attacking our freedom of speech, right to assemble, right to self-defense, freedom from unreasonable search, right to due process, and freedom from cruel and unusual punishment. Has that tamed conservatives? In no way. The list of grievances is growing by the day. So, it's a good article, and it all just leads to the same ending. November means everything for this country. And we have got to step it up and get involved and be ready for this fight to win as many of these races as humanly possible across this country because everything is on the line. And we need, we're going to talk about it every single night that we're here. And hopefully if you can take any bit of any of these articles and facts and things we talk about and use it in your own conversations in your own preparations for November, whether it's with your neighbors, your friends, your family, even if it's for people who don't agree with you. Civilly, we try to at least arm you with as many facts as possible because everything is on the line come November. to the hour live from studio 6b let's wrap it up let's do a little more news and we'll start with the news this segment and here with that is paul nolan what's going on mr nolan 
Well, I'll, I'll just keep it brief because I know there's plenty of hit to hit still. But uh, we were talking about that woman in um, in Arizona who was uh, busted uh, trafficking um, women from Guatemala and Honduras, and you know, seven point two million dollar ring. Well, this is from the Washington Standard, a really good site in my opinion. It says chalk this up to one more reason the Federal Bureau of in- uh, Investigation should be abolished, along with the whole Washington D.C. The FBI once again has been found guilty of protecting criminals uh, in the justice system and guilty of failing uh, to provide any form of justice. Uh, judges found that the FBI protected a mother who sold up to 8,000 children, over 200 million over four decades. Her sentence was three months. Now, just so we know, I put this, it's a long article. I put it on my getter page, but it's really interesting. Margaret Cole, the former owner of European Adoption Consultants, was sentenced today in the United States District Court of Northern and the Northern District of Ohio, which most of our listeners know, Ohio is a hotbed for trafficking, um, to three months in federal prison and three years of supervised release plus 12 months of home in-home confinement. Cole has to pay a $7,500 fine. This comes on the heels of her pleading guilty on February 4th to one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States and one count of making false statement to the Polish Central Authority in front of the federal court, Judge James Gwynn, in a Zoom hearing uh, at, during a seven news that attended the uh, U.S. Uh, District Court in the Northern District of Ohio. The 74-year-old woman who... Uh, told the court she suffered from PTSD, high blood pressure, and vertigo, accepted the plea deal uh, from the U.S. Department of Justice. So this is a, a really long story. Again, check out my getter page, and you'll read it there. Comment, do what you have to do with that. Um, I just thought it was uh, you know, interesting. Earlier, I also talked about that bugs and that video that came with it, which, you know, I know that you guys will laugh, and Damon will roll his eyes and all that, but... Uh, you know, that whole nonsense of the Great Reset, people like Facebook has fact-checked, fact-checkers who keep denying anything on the Great Reset, and they deny it, they block it, they don't allow anything about the Great Reset to be really discussed on Facebook or Twitter, and they claim that it's a conspiracy theory. They put up a, um, just like you see anytime about COVID, they'll put up a a warning about, you know, this is uh, essentially BS, and they dissuade people from from reading it understanding it, looking into it, judging for themselves. And it's the same thing with the, the bugs. We've heard about it forever. Like that's, you know, that a sustainable globe is going to, you know, a good dose of of crickets and bugs. And, you know, this is all from the economic forum. They continuously say these things and it gets laughed at as if it's not real, but it's all connected to all of it. You know, it's connected to the, you know, the, 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 the CBDCs. It's connected to the to the pound crashing in Europe, the one crashing in, in you know, the, the currencies everywhere. You know, we're seeing now the pipelines exploding. You know, this is, it's all about Ukraine, you know, and all its pipelines and all its power and how many, how many lines of gas go across Europe through there. I mean, and this was without a doubt an energy war again. And it's all connected to, you know, get, you know, control and scarcity and, you know, and it'll lead to uh, CBDCs. And we've seen Biden talk about now at the UN, a global tax, which, you know, conspiracy nuts like me 15 years ago talked about what happened in 1913 when, you know, the Federal Reserve was instituted and not short after the IRS was instituted because the only way to support a fake currency, a fiat currency is through a BS tax. And that's going to be the carbon tax that we see people already 
you know, countries already implementing, you know, across the globe. You're seeing these ESG scores or these carbon impact scores. And if you don't think it's coming, you're crazy. And if you don't think that CBDCs will be the ultimate form of control, you're crazy. And it, it, and the ultimate form of control is the ultimate goal here. You know, they don't, these people want one world co- currency. So you can have one world government, one world tax that envelopes every nation. So, you know, I know it's all quackery to some people, but it's all real. I mean, these people have an agenda and they're not stopping till they get it. And, you know, that's so, you know, that was my rant. I had like the stories kind of lined up. It was hard to like, you know, get them all in a row, but I think it's all connected. I think anyone who doesn't believe it's all connected is insane. Cut 16 G roll that. With partners in the Americas, Africa, Europe, and the Middle East, and the Indo-Pacific, we're working to build a new economic ecosystem where every nation, every nation gets a fair shot and economic growth is resilient, sustainable, and shared. That's why the United States has championed a global minimum tax, and we will work to see it implemented so major corporations pay their fair share everywhere, everywhere. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's just going to be corporations. And I think when uh, the income tax was in, implemented, it was only going to be the rich people. This is, you know, this is just, this is all about control of the working class. It's just, this is class warfare. The bit, rich will get richer. They'll control the politicians. They'll slam edicts. They'll kill any form of competition. Monster mega national corporations will dominate everything. And it's just, and it gets worse and worse. And it's not getting better. If you see CBD, it's got to be stopped. That's the end of my rant. And and what's crazy is they wrote a book called The Great Reset, and they'll still block it and say, well, you can't talk about it, even though the guy wrote a book about it. All right, time for the Great Reset here in sports. And here with that is Slick Rick Sports. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, well, Cowboy Don 10 in uh, LFS6B chat on Getter says that uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Aaron Judge, excuse me. Aaron Judge, since the last, since he hit that number 60, they've been, he's been walked uh, 12 times in the last five games. Unbelievable. Judge cannot get a fair shake. It's 5-2. Yankees are leading in the top of the ninth inning in Toronto. Not sure if he's going to get another shot at the plate tonight. So number 62 is 61. And 62 are still evading him. And the Marlins right now lead the Mets 6-3 to three in the top of the eighth. Good race there. And Braves over the Nationals 8-2. to two. So, I don't know. Looks like we may have it. That's also in the ninth. Bottom of the ninth, that is. So, it looks like uh, we may have a, a tie there atop the uh, NL East. And uh, we'll keep an eye on that race. And just one more story. Big D. Uh, big one in NASCAR. Um, seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson announces retirement. This is from Yard Barker, Victor Barbosa. One of the all-time greats in NASCAR history is calling it quick. Johnson announced in November 2019, 2019 that the 2020 Cup season would be his last full-time season of racing. That campaign was disrupted multiple times by the COVID-19 pandemic. However, the seven-time NASCAR champion tested positive for COVID-19 during the summer of 2020 and was forced to miss the Brickyard 400. Jo- Johnson raced part-time in Indy competition in 2021, with 2022 being his first full-time IndyCar season. He ends his career tied with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty for the most NASCAR Cup championships incredible so the great jimmy johnson hanging him up big day and that's a wrap in sports all right very good let's do one more clip here g uh cut 12 this is maybe um this is one of those shake your head just as we're talking about sanity coming back to new york in some locations then we get to this clip roll that we have a brand 
New York oh, has boy. a brand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when people see it, it means something. Uh-huh. You know, when we go there, it's not a, Kansas doesn't have a brand. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what a tool. You know, when you go there, okay, you're from Kansas. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you know what? Guys. <laughs> but New York has a brand. Yeah, it has a brand. It. Yeah, it's got a brand. It's called uh it's it's called uh, point blank robbery, yeah. muggery, and- crime, right. rape, carjack. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great yeah. brand. All right, stay out. Let's let's end with some let's 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 raise the level here. Cut uh, is this English? Kamala greets Australian Prime Minister G roll that. Let's end on a smart note here. <laughs> Brilliance. Awesome. But it is significant that oh. we are here together in Tokyo. Um, in that, we also share a common goal and bond as it relates to our dedication to peace and security in the Indo Pacific and the work that we will continue to do to ensure that we are guided by what we are joined in in terms of uh, international rules and norms what? around the importance of peace, security, and prosperity for the end of the Pacific. So What's I look forward to our conversation. I mean, it's good to see you. Wait. What the hell is that? There's rules and norms, you know. As always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show, G-Friend. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. right here, live from Studio 6B.